starting in three, two, one. All right, we've got the Netflix logo and the Marvel logo. And the reason why I say that at the beginning of every episode is just so that way you can keep track and make sure that you're starting at the right time that I'm starting the episode so that way we can follow it through together. This is a commentary episodes and I am the Daredevil Prophet. Uh, you know I gotta give you another episode. This is episode eight, Shadows in the Glass. And this episode is gonna tackle Fisk. Um, I remember asking a question at the end of episode three. Why does Wilson Fisk have a painting like that in his wall? Why is he interested in a painting that would make him feel so alone? So this episode definitely will answer that for us. Um, we see him. The setting here is really cool because we see him um, making breakfast for himself. This is probably his uh, regular morning routine. He's actually not making a hefty meal. We know that Wilson Fisk is a big guy. Um, but he's actually very conservative in his uh, portion. Um, this is something that's important. This isn't something to be overlooked. I think this is um, kind of a look into his uh, morning routine. He's, uh, he's fixing himself up a nice omelet, which isn't a lot. It's not a big breakfast for him. I think that's meant to suggest the idea that Wilson Fisk, you know, is a big guy because he's composed of a lot of muscle rather than actual fat. Um, so hopefully that kind of puts, uh, puts a little thought in people's minds that he's not necessarily big because he eats a lot or because he's, uh, lazy, but rather because he's, uh, very, very equipped physically. Um, this is another part of his routine of picking out clothes. It's all black, which is different um, from what we see in the comics. He's usually wearing white, and they actually mention that in the episodes, which is one of the things that I like. A lot of the stuff that's in the comics is at least referenced or, you know, just sort of glanced over or addressed in a way. And here we see a young version of himself covered in blood. Uh, so that's also a part of his morning ritual is looking in the mirror and seeing a blood covered version of his younger self. Um, what a way to start the day. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of references to the comics, which I like the incorporation of that. This is a sort of present day, uh, retelling of, uh, the stories that are in the comics. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a, it's an amalgamation. A lot of what I'll be talking about today is that a lot of what we see here in this incarnation is that they're all amalgamations of what we've seen in the past and what we've gotten in the past from, um, the former movie, uh, to the form to, to all the comic books that we've gotten, uh, in the past. So this is sort of all mashed together to make one season, to make one storyline, and to make one story. This is going to be a series. Season two is almost on the way, and um, and hopefully we'll we'll see a long uh, Daredevil series because I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, grounded storytelling that is there in the comics um, here to connect the issue uh, to connect the uh, the episodes season or episode seven the last episode uh we see matt needs to hire a maid because he doesn't know how to clean up after himself he fought stick in the former episode this is probably the very next day and we see that um this is meant to um show murdoch as being somebody who you know, he, he's on the run from the cops. He's being trashed in the papers. He just had a run in with stick 
um, a disagreement with his former former mentor, and that sucks. He's he's not in a very good place right now, um, but he's still choosing to get up with those abs that are in the shot there, and he's going to face the day. Good for him. But this episode really isn't about him or Stick. Stick actually isn't um, going to be a factor in the rest of the season. Um, he will be a factor in the next season. Um, but here we see that Matt still has a sentimental side. He still has the bracelet that he made for Stick. Um, and it shows that Stick still had it, like after all these years. Um, so there's sentimentality shared between Murdoch and Stick that they don't really um, address with each other. Um, here we have Karen and Foggy, which, which by the way, Foggy has been trying really, really hard with Karen, and I know I've talked about that a little bit in the in the past episodes, but um, but I think he's sort of still looking out for Karen. He still cares about her. But I think he's starting to concede the fact that with him and Karen, probably not going to work out. They still work together, and he's going to keep it professional. But I think his days of trying to ask out Karen and trying to spend time with Karen kind of will dwindle down, and we won't see a whole lot of that between the two of them um, because you know, every time Karen, you know, hears Matt's name or sees him walk into a room, her attention, her attention just immediately shifts over to him. Um, and I think, I think Foggy, who's um, very smart, is picking up on that and he's, uh, he's backing off. So that's what we're going to start to see. Is it becoming more of a business practice. We're going to start to see um, Ben Yurick come into the fold. It's not going to just be the three of them. It's now going to be the four of them who is going to um, uh, go in this venture together to take down the Kingpin. And so their numbers actually match up really well with Kingpin's numbers. Kingpin started with five, six heads of his, uh, of his web of his under uh, underworld criminal empire and now that the russians are out of the way all you're left with is him madam gao leland owsley and the hand agent the hand ninja who we'll see in the next episode going up against daredevil that's going to be an exciting episode but this one shows how they're on to Kingpin. They don't necessarily have a lot of substantial evidence. But what they want to do is they want to drag him into the light. They don't necessarily want to put him behind bars. They don't have incriminating uh, evidence to back that up or to take him to court or for it to even warrant an arrest or an investigation. But if they splatter his reputation all over the media, hopefully somebody will speak out. And that's their whole plan at this point. Very, very low. They're low-balling at this point. They're just desperate for, for anything. Like, this guy is killing people off. He's... He, he's... He has an empire of fear that's built on fear. A lot of criminal activity, a lot of illegal activity. And all these guys want to do is badmouth them in print. In print, like not even like, you know, like online or anything like that. That's what all that aggression and anger has mounted up to at this point. Um, one of the interesting things that we see in this episode too is that Fisk is in a pressure cooker. He's going to get shit from everyone. Everyone he talks to is going to be like, "Hey, you're you're not doing your job. You're not doing this. You need to make a choice." And it's putting him in a very very um difficult spot. 
um, because he is trying to keep everyone together um, because he doesn't want to be exposed. He doesn't want to be the next guy down the line when there's no one left. Um, so he's going to um, balance uh, these uh, these hotheads that he's got around him. Um, and he's he's being very humble at this moment. He's being very uh, respectful, which is something his father tells him. Respect. You got to give it if you want it. And so Wilson Fisk definitely takes that to heart and definitely exercises that in his business practices. And here we see them talking about Nobu. And the, he he's going to say, who who is he in all this? You know, what does he bring to the table? Like, Nobu in this whole scheme of things doesn't bring anything monetarily valuable to this this empire that you're creating. And Wilson Fisk says he's a necessary evil. Him and his faction he's talking about, of course, being the hand. Now, one of the things that's funny is that they talk about Black Sky, which I think is one of Marvel's... Um, best kept secrets and they talk about Nobu what is all that they bring light to it but they never give any answers this is great this is one of the great sequences that I like this is one of my favorite flashbacks because it definitely reminds me of those first panels those first pages of the man without fear by Frank Miller um, they even show a fire escape right there is that Matt you know are those Matt's feet dangling definitely a nod to that definitely the, the the classic cars the bright buildings the bright uh color wardrobes and all that and here we start to get flashbacks of little willie which is what his uh his father calls him which is something that also is a callback to the comics and a particular cartoon that came out in the 90s spider-man now, they have a DVD out called Spider-Man vs. Daredevil. It features uh, two episodes that has Daredevil in it. Um, the DVD comes with four episodes of that series and then a couple of other episodes of the old Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. But it also features Wilson Fisk in it. Wilson Fisk is a common enemy between spider-man and daredevil in the comics um and also in the cartoon as well um he actually started as a spider-man villain and he actually wasn't a spider-man villain for that long before uh before he hopped over onto a daredevil's uh comic book and just blossomed from there as a great foil for uh, for matt murdoch so that's a DVD that if you haven't checked that out, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it or uh, or buy it online. Those those couple episodes, um, and, and it also one of the episodes also flashes back to uh, Wilson Fisk as he's a kid. It explores his relationship with his father um, in that in that cartoon series. Uh, Wilson Fisk also has a son of his own. And so we, we see parallels between his father, um, uh, how he, tr he, how he is treated by his father and how he treats his son much in the same way. So that way it sort of completes this sort of vicious cycle, um, that just sort of keeps going on and on through, through their, uh, bloodline, through their generations. Um, so that's actually a really cool uh, little tidbit of uh, into Wilson Fisk. So a lot of the stuff that's in this episode wasn't fabricated just out of nowhere. It wasn't uh, called up just for the the series. It is actually um, uh, the true origins of Wilson Fisk and kind of where he comes from and sort of what he's been through 
Um, this is actually a cool shot. We see him. We've seen him this morning. We see him now at night. He's in this building. This is his house. Is it a penthouse? What What's going on here? So in the comics, Wilson Fisk has his Fisk Industries Tower, which is a 40-foot building. Uh, 37 of those stories are for his business. The 38, the 38th floor is uh, a security floor. And the two top floors are where he lives. So you talk about a guy who's um, trapped. It, it, it's not. Uh, it's not said in the in the show that this is Fisk Towers. Uh, later on, Madame Gao goes there and she says, "You know, you know how I found where you live is because you've been careless. You've been sloppy." And so this isn't uh, a building that's branded Fisk Towers or Fisk Industries or anything like that. Because I think that we're catching Wilson Fisk at a point to where he isn't the Wilson Fisk that he is in the comics. He This is much, very much year one of the Kingpin as much as it is year one for Daredevil. So... We don't see Kingpin in all of his glory. We don't see him being uh, the genius that we see him being in the comics. He's still um, partial to his emotions. He's still partial to, um, uh, you know, susceptible to being uh, wooed by a girl. Um, So we see a lot of different things about Wilson Fisk that we wouldn't necessarily see in the comics. Um, so that's a very interesting part about um, where Wilson Fisk is and where they've decided to tell his story. Um, obviously, at the end of this season, he gets thrown in jail and he's staring at the same white wall that he's accustomed to, that he's used to, that he has in his own house. Um, but we see the landscape begin to change. No longer do we have Wilson Fisk or any of his posse, um, you know, in the world of Hell's Kitchen. Jessica Jones takes place in Hell's Kitchen. So her season happened to have uh, a, a Hell's Kitchen post Kingpin. And so there's this wide gap of... Um, of this man who was at the top, this man who was controlling all the all, all the organized crime in Hell's Kitchen, and we sort of see it wide open. And how long we'll see that wide open is still up for debate. That that's yet to be seen. But we've seen Jessica Jones, no real organized crime there, so um, so that wasn't a factor in her storyline. I don't think that's going to be a factor in season two. But in the comics. Whenever Wilson Fisk has been missing or presumed dead or went abroad or was thrown in prison or something like that, usually what you see is you see a gang war. You see a bunch of people who are trying to come up and take his place as kingpin or as their own criminal um, king of their own empire. Uh, So that may be... Uh, what we might see in season two because you know we know that Electra is going to be in it we know that Punisher is going to be in it but Punisher has to be somebody who's going after people who these people are who are the quote-unquote bad guys of uh, of season two we'll see but I do think it's going to be someone and I don't think it's going to be Wilson Fisk as a matter of fact I don't think we'll see Wilson Fisk uh, more and more, I'm starting to think that they're gonna Marvel's gonna put Vincent D'Onofrio away for maybe another season. We probably won't see him till season three, maybe season four. I really think that that's gonna be the case because what would what would be a great way to reintroduce him is 
when they're tackling the born again storyline, which they are going to do, make no mistake about that. You know, if you give Daredevil the series time away from Kingpin, it sort of um, comes out of people's minds. Kingpin isn't on the radar as much anymore. Um, and then all this stuff starts happening to Matt, his practice, you know, his uh, his credit cards, his, his uh, social security, his livelihood just all breaks down. And then it's that moment in Born Again that Matt realized that it was the Kingpin without even knowing that Kingpin or Kingpin, Kingpin wasn't even on the radar, really. He was going insane. He was going crazy. The moment that he knew that it was Kingpin was when his house was blown up. Um, that that would be a cool time to reintroduce Vincent D'Onofrio into the series. So we may see a Kingpin-less uh, Daredevil series until that moment. And that'd be a great moment. Uh, they mentioned here that they have one cop that they can't buy off. He's guarding the door. That's Mahoney. Um, he's been in it since episode one. He's going to be in it in the last episode. One of the few good cops in Hell's Kitchen doing real police work. Good for him. And here we are revisiting Blake. Blake's a bit of a prick. You know, Blake's a, a bit of a callback to, you know, he's got like that jock look and all that stuff. But he's dirty. We know that he's dirty. But can't help feel for the guy. I can't. Like, he he killed somebody. He, he stepped on people, you know? Like, he's a vicious prick. But I can't help but to feel for him in this moment. He's getting betrayed by his, um, by Hoffman, his partner, um, and lifelong friend. And what's funny is that as Daredevil takes this guy hostage, um, knocks him out, comes to Blake and says, Hey, make the man responsible. King put Kingpin puts you in here, you know, make him pay for essentially killing you off, putting you in the hospital in the first place. And then killing you off. And he muddles something that's interesting. Oh, there's that insert of him putting the um, his uh, his billy clubs in his side right there. That's an insert that's meant to um, uh, solidify that Daredevil has these weapons. He's not giving them up. They're staying around. Billy clubs are his thing now. Um, which is a nice little touch. So anyways, Blake mutters something that's pretty hard to catch it's under his breath a little bit um it seems important if you put subtitles on he says oh is it my turn for this it's just just really really it, it it doesn't it doesn't say anything about the story it doesn't do anything but it speaks to his character that he's in, he's really in a place that he feels that maybe he was on the right side a little bit like, here's this vigilante thug who is a murderer, maybe, is, isn't. He sure is suspicious looking, and he thinks that Daredevil maybe murdered him. Um, Very, very interesting stuff and very interesting and very cool um, last line for him to go out with. And here we are introduced to... Gladiator in one corner and Daredevil is not in the other corner just yet. Um, yeah, here we go. Gladiator, one of my favorite Daredevil villains. Um, if you listen to the podcast where I talked about my Daredevil saga, part one, I would have put him in the first movie of a, of a trilogy or of a saga. He's that compelling of, of a figure. Um, it's a shame that he doesn't play a bigger part in this uh, in this season, but he's past his um, he's past his fighting days. He got into trouble a little while ago, and he has his girlfriend Betsy, 
who is his therapist, who also became his girlfriend. So, so I was talking before about amalgamations. We see Kingpin before he's the Kingpin that we know him to be. Leland Owsley is not the Leland Owsley that we know from the comics. And this gladiator, this incarnation of gladiator is a guy who's not really going to put a helmet on his head and put armor on and have the blades on his wrists and go to town against Daredevil. Most likely we'll never see that happen in the series. That's a shame. But what we do see is an amalgamation of his character. Somebody who was in trouble, who does work with blades, who does uh, create outfits for people um, with special weavings that are knife proof and even maybe a little bit bulletproof as well. Um, so that's that's who he is. And that's where we catch him in the series. We do get little nods. We do see the um, uh, his uh, his symbol on the table. I think in a later episode we see the blades here. Um, we see the stilt man legs in the background. So all these little nods are there. But it's a consolation prize. We're not ever going to see it go to superhero. I know that's not the tone. That's not, you know, this isn't, you know, this is Netflix. This is a PG-16. This is, this is a tonally a, a lot different. This is supposed to be grounded. Um, but the show's going to have fun dealing with those goofier parts of Daredevil. And if there's anything that's great about the comics is that, you know, you can pick and choose. Daredevil was supposed to be, um, sort of a model after spider-man so he does have those corny um old classic storylines um to where he's going up against uh leapfrog you know weird villains like that and then you also have um great storytelling uh by countless contributors over the years and particularly over the last three or four decades um so you can kind of pick and choose. Um, you can get the Spider-Man version of Daredevil or you can get the Batman version of Daredevil. And um, this show is definitely um, going to stray away much as the uh, the Daredevil comic did um, in the 80s. They're going to stray away from those uh, corny elements of Daredevil. But they are there. And I'm glad that they're represented in some way. You know, Mike Murdock and all that kind of uh, stuff. It, it it's really really great. Um, I think that there's a, a a graininess to these flashback scenes, which are um really cool. It, it's hard to notice them. I think in the other ones, in the other flashbacks, um, uh, that that mainly deal with Matt, but these one, the graininess here really stands out. Um, makes it look um, uh, f you know, kind of um true to the time. Of uh, of the seventies, which I believe is the the time that we're at here in this flashback, really really great um, uh, period setting. Um, it, it, Daredevil and Wilson Fisk as little kids, their origin keeps getting updated to where you know they were um, children of the fifties and then children of the sixties, and now they're children of the seventies. This is a cool little like um, uh, update. Um, and it's really cool that Daredevil is uh, ha has come around now in uh, in uh, uh, on Netflix, so that way we can see an updated version of Daredevil living in present day, and to see his origins go all the way back to the '70s, because when Fox had the rights to uh, to Daredevil and they were going to reboot the franchise, uh, it was going to be a uh, period piece back in the 70s that was their way of uh dealing with the idea that hell's kitchen is still this um trashy um very um hard place to live in this hard neighborhood to live in which it isn't now um so that was their workaround uh with that here their workaround is um that the battle of new york sort of um put Hell's Kitchen in a recession, which 
uh, necessitated the need for Kingpin and Union Union Allied to uh, to uh, redevelop Hell's Kitchen and all that kind of stuff. Um, here we see Wilson Fisk back. This is the same scene. He's uh, uh, he's awakened by nightmares. Um, this is something that really haunts him, his past. And talking about the, um, the, the painting that he has, um, it, it really signals the idea that this was a traumatic event in his life, uh, what happened to him as a kid. And he's really holding on to two things. He's only he's holding on to the idea that he's a victim of his father, which, by the way, him being abused by his father is similar to Matt being abused by his father. It's not um, chronicled in this show, but if you've read Man Without Fear, if you've read the comics, you know that there was some abuse going on. Uh, from Matt's father. So both of these guys are prone to violence because it was instilled in them from their from their fathers. Their fathers uh, sort of broke it into their psyche that violence is a viable option to enforce their uh, will or, in Matt's case, to enforce the law. Um, so this is the reason why both of these men are prone to violence. There's a lot of similarities between the two. Um, both of them lost their fathers at a very young age. Uh, both of them are concerned about the safety of the city, but they go about it in different ways. And this show has always aimed to make uh, very real uh, comparisons and very real similarities between the hero and who he considered the villain. But the difference is in the choices that they make um, along the way. Uh, Wilson Fisk um, has no second thought about taking someone's life. Well, Daredevil is seeking to preserve lives. Um, but again, it goes back to this idea that Kingpin is owning the idea that he's a victim, victim of his father. Um, and he's also a victim of the circumstance uh, or the scenario, the impossible scenario that he finds himself in as a kid, you know, he had to kill his father in a way. Was there any other way to stop his his father from abusing his mom there in that moment? Would any of us do anything different? Maybe not. Maybe not. It, it was out of protection for his mom. That first hit, maybe. That second hit, probably. But all those hits after that were just out of pure rage. Um, so we do see him in an impossible situation. And that has a traumatic effect that um, that affects him even till this day. And even sort of dictates what furnishings he has. How he clothes himself. How he views himself. And what he's doing as a businessman and his other endeavors. But here he is right now getting shit from Madame Gao. It, it, it's cool. Another similarity is that um, Madame Gao is sort of a mentor to Wilson Fisk, telling him that uh, he's being sloppy, um, that he needs to shape up. And Murdoch has another mentor as well, which is stick. Murdoch doesn't do what stick says for obvious reasons. 
Wilson Fisk is also not going to do what Madame Gao says. Part of what Madame Gao is trying to get at is that Wilson Fisk is trying to be in the dark and he's trying to have his cake and eat it too with uh, with Vanessa. This is the, the, the main part of the storyline. This is part of the, the climax of the episode, which is one of the great climaxes uh, of the episode, is that Wilson Fisk wants to be in the dark and he wants to be in the light. He wants to live a normal life, but he also wants to be the king of Hell's Kitchen. Um, and Madame Gao is saying that your efforts are being split into two factions. Um, your life is compartmentalized. Get it together. Own one and get rid of the other. And in Madame Gao's interest... Kingpin better go with her and better shake off Vanessa. So that's really what Madame Gao is getting at. Um, Leland as well. Um, Leland just wants uh, Wilson to perform his business duties so that Leland can stay wealthy. He's protecting his investment in in uh in his allegiance or in his alliance with Wilson Fisk. So here we see the beginning of Wilson Fisk sitting up against a white wall internalizing that he is being victimized and that's what he sees in that very moment. So a very crucial moment in his uh in his origin and it's something that he carries to this day. That art on the wall led him to one Vanessa. Who will be known as Vanessa Fisk at the end of the season. He doesn't want to be made to look like a pussy at this moment. <laughs> so he doesn't want to be disturbed he wants to think. He wants to reflect. But Vanessa has her own mind. Maybe her own motives. And she's going to be there in his um, weakest moments. To show that she'll be loyal and faithful. Even when... Uh, he might be thinking about giving her up or giving that side of his life up. He's dealing with the idea that he is in the dark. But he doesn't know that he's about to be dragged into the light, which is one of the clever things about the timing of this episode. Um, it makes for a beautiful climax. Um, here we see Matt and Karen... Um, uh, getting men, Ben Yurick to write his article to drag him into the light and all the things that he's writing about are the things that Kingpin is countering against so Vanessa is actually leading him in the direction that he needs to go in Daredevil is, Daredevil's name is being dragged through the mud in the media. Nobody thinks that he's a hero. People think that he's somewhat of a terrorist. Kingpin avoids that in this episode, which is really great. It's really cool that, um, that Willie's father... Um, strive to be a congressman. I think it was a mayor that he was going for. Really shows a uh, a string um, in that runs through both of their blood that they both sort of crave um, power and um, conquest. Um, really for for greed and for for control. Um, 
Willie, as a child, is in a hell of uh, of uh, depravity, and as an adult, he's in a hell of being trapped in uh, in being at the top. So here he's at the bottom. As an adult, he's he's at the top, and he's having trouble dealing with uh with both parts of his uh with his life um that's somebody who you know can run an organization and can do all these things he's considered a genius um as a matter of fact the way that vincent d'onofrio plays uh the kingpin in this series he's someone looks he looks somewhat like a uh, um like his brain is operating on a on a super hyper level um his mannerisms and you know the way he sort of points and talks and vocalizes uh his emotions are are really signs of like he's he's operating on a whole another level in his in his head um he's got this really really um sound resolve but he is weak um vincent Don- vincent d'onofrio said that he was going to play this character as both a child and and a monster and really we don't see either of those in in a in the comics we we see him being a monster but more in a in a hands-off kind of way yes he can take somebody out yes he does fight with daredevil uh you know literally uh, physical altercations but it's not his first resort this version of wilson fisk seems to um have that child in him to where if you aggravate him enough he's going to take matters into his own hands literally and it's going to turn out bloody um that's something that we've seen in episode four um so this is a this is a different wilson fisk this is a different guy it gives him more dimensionality. It connects him a lot better to his origin. It shows that he hasn't grown much um, in the way of uh, maturity or in dealing with uh, traumatic events in his life or being able to let those go. He, uh, he, he wants this part of his life, this whole part of his life with Vanessa is sacred to him. Obviously, if he's willing to kill over it, and Madame Gao is threatening that. Is he going to kill her? No. But he's not going to listen to her. And he's going to side with Vanessa. Um, because it's something that has been taken away from him for so long. He is uh, he, he can't help but act emotionally when he should be acting professionally. And that's sort of the... Uh, conundrum that he finds himself in this episode this is a great shot or this is this just looks like um uh, ed brubraker those uh those comics in the in the early 2000s just like very grainy it's not grainy in the shot it's very clear actually if you have a 4k television this show will work fine on that but the rain it's great. The the visual here, the night shoots. This is what Daredevil is all about. Not a whole lot of um of the yellow uh backlighting. So this color palette here is beautiful. It's amazing. It's a lot of blues and a lot of uh starkness. Uh these guys are meeting in a uh semi private place. And they are conspiring to take down Wilson Fisk, who nobody knows about. But they want to drag him into the light. And here's where Daredevil will tell 
Ben Urich, we don't need to in incriminate him. We don't need to um, go out for an arrest. We don't need to throw this guy in jail. But this guy is at the top. All these subsidiary companies that he's been involved in, that have been helping him, he's the one at the top, and he's the one that needs to be taken down or dragged into the light. That's, uh, that's, the, uh, that's the phrase that they're going with, which means that, you know, uh, smother his name in the mud, in the papers, so that way people can be more aware of who the oppressor of Hell's Kitchen. So the idea is that Hell's Kitchen could have been um, recovering a lot quicker from the Battle of New York. But you have Wilson Fisk who's taking advantage of the situation and is building some things of his own on the side. A necessary evil. That's what a Nobu is. That's what the, the faction of the hand is. Um, it all ties into Union Allied um, getting certain buildings demolished and rebuilt under his guidance to be used for who knows what. I mean, I have an idea, but um, but I think I've stated that a lot of times already in the in the uh, in the past, as I will in the future. So that's that's another aspect of it that um, you know, with Mrs. Cardenas, like she's sort of the vocal one that's against that whole thing. She's the little guy, so I'm glad that they have her in that as much as. Um, her character kind of, you know, is a, a smaller character. She's really meant to represent uh, the little guy, which is something that um, that is usually forgotten about. Those kind of people are what Daredevil is all about, as he says. Um, Coolio in the Daredevil movie, if you've seen the director's cut, small guy, he's the guy that Daredevil wants to defend. Daredevil is a very small stakes kind of person. You know, he's not trying to save the planet from an alien invasion. But there are people in his life that come in his life that he wants to protect because he cares about him. So it's a very, very personal thing. And so there are very personal stakes. Um, that's what makes Daredevil different. And that's what makes Daredevil compelling. That's what I love most about him. Um, so here we see uh, Wilson Fisk. You know, we've seen him throughout the whole episode. He was in his house, a very lonely place. Now he's having his cake and eat it too. He has Vanessa there with him. He's no longer alone. He still has the nightmares. He still struggles. He still has to deal with things. But he has a companion now. Um, he's being a little selfish and she's dressing him up differently. What are these? Are these Lex Luthor's um, clothes? Like that looks like an L right there. No, he's, he's the kingpin. He's a, uh, he's white and he's bald and he's powerful, but he's not Lex. He's, he's, he's not Lex. He's that, that's not who he is. He's, He's the kingpin, and he's going to kill somebody in this episode. Just kidding. No, he's going to come out into the light on his own terms. This is a cool little um, uh, thing that doesn't involve uh, fighting action or anything like that. But the end of this episode is just as compelling. Uh, because we see how the dynamics change um, with Fisk going public. It's really great. Really, really awesome scene. Um, he was in the pressure cooker for the whole episode. Um, what was he going to do? What was he going to change? 
um, we get an insight into who he is and what makes him um, uh, who he is. And now, since he's a public figure and a saint uh, in the public eye, now he can ridicule Daredevil across the airwaves. That's a cool dynamic change. You know, Daredevil now is really in, uh, you know, he, he's really at the bottom now. He he really just sank lower. Um, Kingpin now has the support of Hell's Kitchen at large. And he smothers Daredevil's name even more. And people believe him. Very, very cool uh, dynamic change um, that causes Matt to question the whole core of what he's doing and how he's doing that. So much so that that causes him to go back to his priest and have a discussion, a few discussions, um, which is something that I'm very interested in talking about. But this is the, the catalyst of that. It's, it's power that's shown in an unforceful way, in a very nuanced way. That's cool. He deletes his article that he was going to write, dragging Fisk into the light, and now it puts Daredevil on his heels. It's okay. That laptop was only a Dell. It's all right. It wasn't an Apple. It wasn't a. It wasn't an iPad, or else I would be biting my fingers off if it was. Great episode. That's Wilson Fisk. I am the Daredevil Prophet. Um, speak of the Devil is next, and it will be starting in three, two. One.